Thanks for tuning in to Culture Car ATX. I'm your co-host, Michael Ward Jr., here with Donald Scott II. Our goal at Culture Crawl ATX is to change the world one conversation at a time. We hope you enjoy this episode. I'm all about the church. It needs to do better. We need to be on the same page. We need to be out there fighting for everything that is wrong in our community, not just something, but everything, because if it's not aligned with God, well, that's ungodly. So why are we not using our platforms to speak up against it? That's right. I absolutely yeah, agree. I think, um, one of the things that gets lost, like I was saying, right, about politics and religion, one of the mm-hmm. things that gets lost is people, because one loud group of people mm-hmm. use mm-hmm. religion as a reason for their obnoxiousness, yep. then that becomes the banner, right? Mm-hmm. And then the other people yeah. are like, no, nah, we don't even believe it like that they don't get up and fight like there's no fight between and actually i guess this would be kind of it's kind of similar but not really but like there's no fight between the good loving <laughs> church and the yeah. asshole church yeah yeah right? so but here's the thing so the same the same analogy you just use it's the same for politics look at the age of donald trump now i didn't agree with um uh majority of what Republicans believe in prior to him, but there was at least some, some decency. Right. And what's happened now is he is now the face of the Republican party. And so you can't even say the word Republican without someone associating that with racist. Right. That's and, right. And I'm not talking, I'm not talking like Ronald Reagan racist. I'm talking like, like, Oh, you are a white supremacist. If I align with uh, the Republican party. And so the same has happened with the church. It has, um, because we've had some churches who are so known for what they're against and so known for, um, you know, uh, their, their hatred, to be frank, towards people, that has been the banner um, that, that has been waved. And that is what a lot of people experience when they think of church. Um, especially those that have experienced church hurt. And so I think what we have to do is we have to do better with amplifying the voices of those good churches that are actually doing it right um, and condemning, uh, in a sense, those that, that are fighting against people. Um, so I definitely agree with that. And I would say that's the issue and the solution in everything, right? Mm-hmm. Because we, we, because that goes back into we don't have enough individuals doing good work, mm-hmm. talking louder than the ones out there that are not doing good work. So, for example, all the images that we see of people that are black in negative situations, which I know there, there's a lot of them. Yeah. We could equally show all the positive images that we have of our community thriving, being successful. Yeah. Um, it, it all goes back into the narrative and the narrative that we want people to believe so we can create and keep the, the, the current system at bay. Because yeah. if churches actually argued against each other and worked on becoming more unified, well, that'll be an, an issue for the status quo. Yeah. If, we yeah. actually, if we actually painted better pictures and in images, 
of, of black of the black community or the global majority community for yeah. that matter yeah. well then now we're showing them in a positive light oh time out we can't do that right so i think you know with unity with unity comes better quality and better outcomes but then unity goes against the status quo because that's not how you actually keep structure or the, the current structure you want people to be divided because that's how we we have the current system we have today can i tell you this michael 99% of the people that I talk to, I ask them why they don't go to church. 99% of the people say it's because the church is judgmental. Mm. There, is an, there is an automatic assumption that no matter what church I go to, I, you are going to be judgmental. And there is, there is more convincing people that, oh, this church isn't judgmental. Um, and, and, and they never walked in the doors. And that's because they've had one bad experience in a place. Mm -hmm. And so I feel for the church. I feel for pastors because it is, you are fighting against not only the mess that's going on within the church, but you're also fighting against the preconceived notions that people have in regards to church in general. And so people are coming in not with their guard down, with their guard up. Um, and so that's why the church really has to be more intentional um, about showing that they are a place that is welcoming and accepting and loving and putting their money literally where their mouth is um, and investing in programs and resources um, to show that they are serious about it. It's not you enough. See, no, yeah. And I, and I definitely agree with that. And I, and I know now we're just talking. Um, but what, what I would say to that is, you know, that's where, it, yeah, I agree. I agree with you. But it's not the church fault. And I, or, or I wouldn't say it's the church fault. And what I mean by that is this goes back to your upbringing, right? This goes back to who taught you about, you know, your religion. Who taught you about, mm -hmm. you know, who taught you about what it, what it really means to have that relationship because I definitely agree with you that people do have that notion about the church being judgmental. I mean, I hear that from my sister, right? I hear that from everybody. Um, from my standpoint, I've never felt that way. I never felt like the church was judgmental in any way, shape, or form. Mm -hmm. I just felt like people themselves were judgmental, right? Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. so but, but then again, that goes back to my upbringing that I know oh, the church is more than just this building. The church yep. is my relationship with God, it's people. So, you know, my foundation gave me a different structure than for those who didn't have that same level of foundation that are going into church now, <laughs> that are trying to get committed and commit themselves, but they're hearing all this negativity around the church. Absolutely. However, this is what I'll say. Uh, a couple nights ago, we had a presidential debate. I don't know if you know if you would even no no no, no we did not no we did not <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't even know if you would call that a, a debate I, I mean I would call that a, a WWE like match it was it was, it was, was an entertaining show among <laughs> two, two old men vying for power <laughs> yeah that that's it that's it um, here here's what here, here's the comparison I'll draw in regards to that and the church Donald Trump did not condemn, um, did not uh, denounce white supremacists at that debate. He was asked a very straightforward question. Um, he, he did not do that. There was so much outrage um, 
because this is the president of the United States. Right. He is a representative of our country. He is the leader of this country. And so what he thinks and what he says and what he believes actually matters. No one would have cared for the most part if he was just Donald Trump in New York who owns a couple buildings who said this, but the fact that you are a representative of this church, uh, of, this, uh, of this country, um, says something and it means something. It's the same way for the church. When you are in leadership, when you are a pastor, when you say that you're a representative of Jesus Christ, it's not just about me being a person. It is about me being a representative for Jesus Christ, who is the church. And so what we say, what we think, what we believe, it matters. How we treat people, it matters. And so when someone is, um, has had a bad experience or someone has been done wrong, then we have the responsibility to right that wrong which is why I believe we need more pastors coming out and speaking against racism. We need more pastors um, standing up and, and, and apologizing for how they treated people in the LGBTQ community. We need more pastors standing up um, and, and um, making sure that they aren't being so judgmental from the pulpit. It absolutely matters. I absolutely, uh, I'm with you in regards to it's not the church's fault, but it is a lot of people's fault who are representatives of the church. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. actually, now yeah. that I'm listening, <clears throat> you know, <laughs> on the topic of judge, judgmental, <laughs> I do always ask, or, or what I'll say is something like, okay, I'm thinking of coming to your church, but I don't plan on dressing up. How is that going to go? <laughs> right? And, and at, that me as Come as you are. Okay, come as you are. Yeah. Come as you okay. are. That's what it says. Come as you are. <laughs> and then, uh, but I remember, uh, this is, I'm going <laughs> to throw my, throw my church up, bring it up under the bus a little bit. I'm there. I'm, I'm probably naturally judgmental, but mm-hmm. then I was also raised in at least a semi-judgmental experience at church. Mm, yeah. And the thing that I remember most about how people were being treated. And and this goes both into, uh, this is discrimination and how we treat people. Mm -hmm. I remember that when any of our young women would find themselves pregnant, they would have to get up and basically apologize for being pregnant and not being married. And that's like, it's, that's when you learn what shame is Mm -hmm. without experiencing it, but you know how you feel about that person up there. Yeah. Yeah. But this is, but we're at church, right? And this is supposed to be a safe space, which means that person deserves this experience that they brought on themselves, blah, 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 blah. And now we're judging them. Yeah. Right, and it took me a long time to realize that shit was not right. One, <laughs> no. Lord, yeah. <laughs> Two, uh, where's the dude? Right, and that's why I say <laughs> discrimination because yeah. I don't ever. I know that there were men in our church who had all kinds of kids. Yeah, but you never had a man stand up and say, "I apologize for bringing." Not, I'm not saying yes. they were made to say, "I apologize for bringing shame on my family," but ultimately. <laughs> 
that's what you had these girls standing up doing. And you know, that we, that some of them were my older peers. So maybe I was 10, they were 15. Mm -hmm. But even by the time I got 15, by the time I turned 15, I had 15 year old peers up there acting, you know, going through this. Yeah. Um, and I think that previous experience when I was a child carries with me today such that even if the church is less judgmental, I still carry that memory. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, I, I bring it with me into any conversation I have about potentially joining a new church, because I just assume that somebody here is going to have a problem with something I'm doing because that's how we are. And that may not even be true, but, but that's a rooted experience inside the church that happened. You know what, what we're mean? talking about is, is abuse. We have to acknowledge that there have been people who have been abused by the, by the people in the church who are now carrying that with them wherever they go. Um, it is no different from someone who had a, a childhood and now they're carrying all of that weight and maybe shame and guilt and anxiety and depression from what they experience. It's the same thing in regards to the church. You gotta realize some people have been um, uh, really, really hurt by the church. Take that young lady, for instance, who had to stand up in front of the church and apologize for getting pregnant. I mean, what in the hell? I, I, I can't even imagine um, what she felt in that moment, but also what she felt in moments after that. Um, and I just made a decision, because I told you guys I was pastoring for um, about eight years. I, I made the decision that I was going to I was going to position myself to reach those that the church um, did not think about reaching or did not believe in reaching. And that I was gonna love people with as much love as I could give. Um, because I pastored teenagers for quite some time. And on this issue of uh, the LGBTQA plus community, I can't tell you how many teenagers came up to me and, you know, said, hey, I'm, I'm dealing with my sexuality. What do I do? Now, I have, my own, uh, per, I have my own theology, right? But the churches I were a part of, they they've had a different theology. So I have to go with that. And what did it for me was there was one student who thought about taking her life because her parents had, had yelled at her and told her that she was going to hell. And it was at that moment that I said, look, we are driving people to, to them wanting to, to, to kill themselves over, over judgment, over um, us, us berating them and us hurting them. Um, and so I think that you can still have your convictions, um, but that doesn't mean you, you spew hatred on the people. Um, we, we have to make sure that we are being way more open to people and way more loving to people 
and, um, and we actually see people. Let me tell y'all something. Heaven is not going to, we're not all going to look at like, it, heaven is going to be diverse. I sure hope it is. Um, and, and I just, my prayer is that we would experience a lot more of that diversity and inclusion here on earth as well, because I believe God wants it, expects it, and promotes it. So two things I'll say to that. Uh, first is uh, the, the comment just about, he- about heaven. I-, I don't think what's called the difference, you know? I-, I just think that we'll just be one, right? We're, we're one yeah. family. Um, yeah. And I think that is what we need to think and really push here in earth. I mean, it all goes back to love, right? You yeah. know, you don't like everyone in your family. <laughs> no. <laughs> you, you, don't, you don't like everybody in your family. I know but, I don't. There are some cousins out there. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> but if somebody comes for your family, like immediately you show love, you know, you, it's, it's like a natural instinct for you to protect, even though you may not like them at times or what have you. Yeah. But if someone is going after that, that individual, or they're not getting the best treatment, you're going to stand up for your family because that's what blood do. Um, and that goes back to love. And that goes back to, to you know, to serving and, and really wanting the best for, for other people's um, and also wanting the best for yourself. So it's a win, 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 win all around. Yeah, uh, but but I don't think that we as a as a society or you know as you know the masses, uh, you know, sin is alive, sin is real, sin yeah. creates individualism. Individualism, yeah. comp- um, you know, leads to competition. Competition leads to capitalism. And look at the world that we live in, where we have the have and the have nots. And it's like, okay, that is <laughs> one that that's one possibility. Yes, that is one outcome. Yes. But that is not the best outcome. Um, that is mm-hmm. not the outcome that I want, nor what is best for our society. Um, yeah. Given the fact that there are a lot of different people inside our community and having, um, you know, billions of dollars in a bank account isn't the same amount of happiness for everyone, right? Um, we're talking about a balanced life and a balanced life, you know, is, is you loving, is you, you know, having positivity, is you pushing forward, is you striving for excellence. Uh, despite the valleys, despite the difficult times, because we're on earth, sin is real, you know, nothing is perfect, nothing's going to be easy, but you are still alive and well, and you're still pushing on with whatever your purpose is, whatever gifts that you do have, because everybody has gifts, everybody has different journeys, has different pathways, but it's about us collectively as a group, as a people, just continuously to push and show that love, so we can begin to, you know, really create the heaven on earth that we want and that we see but it starts with all of us um because this is not with one person not with one church it's, it's a whole group effort continuously i agree i absolutely agree and i and i think we also have to acknowledge that we don't know it all you know mm-hmm. like we we live in this culture where everyone feels like they have to be an expert in everything it was so crazy to see people um <laughs> they like during this election cycle who are all of a sudden like political analysts and they know everything or when the coronavirus came they everyone was just an analyst and and everyone was just an expert on everything and i think we live in this culture where um uh everyone just feels like they have to know it all and i think when it comes to a lot of stuff in the church there are just a lot of things that we don't know and a lot of things that i'm going to ask god about when i get to heaven but i know what we know is that we are supposed to love like Jesus loved, be the hands and feet of Jesus. We're supposed to serve people um, in, in the most robust way. And that the church really is the best p- place on the planet. I believe that. Um, 
And it is filled with imperfect humans. It is filled with people who sin. It is filled with people who make mistakes. And just like, um, just like, you know, we shouldn't expect those that are coming to the church to be perfect. It's vice versa too. The people coming into, into the church can't expect everyone to be perfect. We are all mm-hmm. humans and we are all broken and we all need the love uh, of Jesus Christ. We all need the grace and the mercy of Jesus Christ. Um, and I think on both sides, we, we hold the other party to a, a higher standard than we should. Yeah, and uh, that last part you just said what was was so true. Just uh, <laughs> we really can't expect you know, the church to be perfect, or even the people mm-hmm. of the church to be perfect. And nowhere in the Bible does it say that we're supposed to be perfect, right? No, no. We, we always strive for excellence, though, right? Mm-hmm. And we always strive to 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 be the best versions of ourselves and do everything for the Lord. Um, however, we are you know imperfect beings. Um, yeah. You know, we 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 fall short all the time. Um, and and we, we forget that and and we forget that and we use it against people as a reason to to treat them harm or, or, or to not treat them justly. And it's like, you know, we should not be doing that um, as a people, as, as a society. Um, and then the, the thing that I was going to say is on the tip of my tongue, uh, when we were talking about uh, scripture and the word and the church, I, it, it'll come back to me and I'll talk about it um, when, when, it, when it comes back up. <laughs> well, I just I just want to tell you guys, too, I mean, talking about the imperfect human. Peter walked with Jesus for his entire ministry, um, was a disciple, sat at the Last Supper, saw the miracles of Jesus, and still denied him. That is showing how imperfect we are. If a disciple who was like standing next to Jesus can mess up and make mistakes and be imperfect and do something as crazy as deny him, then what makes you think that we as Christians, we as human beings, um, are, are going to be perfect? We're, we're not. We're, we're just not. Um, and I think we have to acknowledge that. And I think we have to give grace to those that are around us, too. Because um, a lot of times we don't really, we, we think our imperfections are somehow less than the imperfections of others. <laughs> um, and so we have to do better with one, acknowledging, hey, I'm not perfect. Um, and two, acknowledging that other people aren't perfect either, but, um, but that we're all in this together. Yeah, and um, I see this is why I like the Holy Spirit, because when he asks the Holy Spirit to remind you of something, he'll bring it back for you. Uh, so what I was going to say earlier was that's why from, from Bible study, I'm, I'm going to take it back to Bible study for a young adult Bible study. Uh, my wife and I, we, we led it last year. Uh, we have the, the inductive method. And the inductive method is when you are reading scripture, uh, you write down what is it that you observed, what is it that you interpreted, and how can you apply that to your daily life. Uh, and regardless of how much scripture you read, when you do the inductive method, going through observations, interpretations, applications, mm-hmm. you are always going to get a deeper meaning, a different meaning, a, a, a way that it could apply it to your current situation because now you're in a different moment in your life. Um, So there there is so much value in in just really applying the word and thinking about, okay, what is it that I take from this so I can go out there and have a a real impact in our community? And then the last thing that I'll say to close out this this episode is Philippians 4, verse 8. Mm. Finally, brothers and sisters, 
whatever is true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. If we do that, man, this whole entire world yeah. would be a different place. That's it. That, what, what, a, what, what a way to close. That was perfect. Well, yeah, not perfect, go, but good. <laughs> there you go. There, there, there. <laughs> and on that note, we thank you for listening and ask that you click that like button and subscribe to Culture Crawl ATX wherever you listen to your podcast. We hope you enjoyed the conversation and heard something you can take back to your friends and family. Please follow us on Instagram and LinkedIn. And remember, you can always find the latest episodes on culturecrawlatx.com.